Welcome to Beyond the Balance Sheet, the podcast that helps advisors, clinical professionals, and affluent families understand the complexities of issues related to our mental, physical, and emotional well-being. Our co-hosts, Arden O'Connor and Diana Clark, will interview a series of guests on a range of topics, providing informative content and practical tools for professionals and families to consider. Here are your hosts, Arden and Diana. Hi, and welcome to an episode of Beyond the Balance Sheet. I'm Diana Clark, and my co-host Arden O'Connor and I are talking to Tsitsi Mutende, a family business and family advisor, today broadcasting from Zimbabwe. She is the founder and lead consultant of NACA Legacy Planning and the co-founder at African Family Firms, which is a nonprofit African Family Business Association. She is a well-versed, well-awarded, and has multiple years of experience in developing a passion to assist family businesses build multi-generational businesses, which translate into multi-generational legacies. Her passion has awarded her an opportunity to be an international speaker, and we're really fortunate to have her here with us today. So, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. What, I just want to start at the beginning. What got you involved in this field altogether? Well, it's quite interesting, but um, it's, it's, I think pivotal moments in my life motivate my passion and my calling. And in this particular case, um, I'm a third generation family business owner. And four years ago, my dad passed on. So when my dad passed on, it was a shock to everybody in the family. And we were trying to figure out our feet, trying to figure out what was going on. And during that space, because I was made the executor of his estate, being um, his firstborn child from my mom, um, the work of going through his estate, trying to honor his legacy, there was no will that was left in place. Um, he hadn't gotten a succession plan going. And so the pressure also of being a child in such a situation where you're trying to honor the legacy of your parent, as well as tackle family issues that may be going on in the background and um, providing a strong face to the world, yet inside you're still going through mourning, made me rethink my own family businesses because I have a Montessori primary school as well as a publishing firm. And I had long discussions with my husband trying to figure out what is it that we want our children to to inherit what is it that we want our children to carry forward as our legacy when they speak about us when they carry our work forward or even try to honor us what will that look like and so that got me very interested in in family businesses understanding more learning the gravity of how big family businesses are globally and how much we contribute and then also learning that it's the family itself the family is the core of everything the center of everything and making things right within the family helps a lot to making sure that the family is multi-generational and leaves that impactful legacy 
I love what that. A beautiful answer. Yes, it's just so yeah. well worded and so yeah. uh, elegantly delivered. And I give you credit. I hear all of the different businesses you've started, and I think, I think my brain would explode from all the competing demands. It just sounds like a lot. Um, and you know, my question immediately rushes to, unfortunately, the negative, and that's somewhat you know part and parcel of the work that we do. But you can answer this either as a from a personal standpoint or a professional one. But how have you dealt with managed conflict between generations, whether it's related to you know the next generation wanting to follow a different path with their financial futures or with their investments than the prior generation, whether there's a conflict around political views or lifestyle choices? I'm curious how that's come up in your work or in your personal life and how you've navigated through those situations. I think the best way I would answer it is looking at it from three three pointers. The first pointer being between our generations, when parents have children, most of the time it's a happy occasion. You celebrate the birth of this little person and you see yourself in this little person. Learning that at 16, they're gonna learn to drive and you're gonna have to give them the keys to your car and you have to be a passenger in it is probably the hardest experience any parent will ever have in their life. Everything else will seem like child's play. <laughs> um, and so I take it from that angle where I'm thinking one day my little baby is going to be sitting in that driver's seat with the keys that I have given and they're going to be driving me. Similarly, this action is going to happen across your life. We grow in reverse from youth. We get to becoming older and wiser and we have to hand over our youth to our children and that's part of the legacy giving le legacy passing on journey and that's point number one the fact that we have to understand that at some point the person who did not exist started to exist and we started transitioning them from birth point number two would be at each point in time that the generations exist, the issues that impact them are different. My views, whether they're politically or they're wealth-based or religious-based, no matter what they are, they come from a time when I was younger and I grew up in a different environment from my child today. At no point in time, did I, I don't imagine my mom ever thought that she was going to be in a global lockdown and no point in time did I ever think planes would be grounded. Mm -hmm. And yet my children are facing all that and they're facing a future that is vastly unknown and they're going to have children in this future. Collaborating with somebody who I was talking about just now, who you gave the keys to a car, <laughs> it's the hardest thing to do. But the third point being, we all want what's best for the next person. We are then influenced by situations that we interpret according to our own lens. Vantage point is such a big thing when it comes to generations. We are all looking at a certain event and experience through our own lens, our limited experience and our limited knowledge. And we are judging another person's actions based on how we would do it, which is sometimes and most times never the best option 
But listening, understanding another person's viewpoint, vantage point, acknowledging the fact that we will not always be in agreement and also allowing the fact that trust has to happen for you to be a passenger. Mm. At any point in time, whether we get into a plane, train, automobile, we trust the person who is driving it. And in the same way, when we work with multiple generations, we have to remember that it started from a place of love conflict has come from a place of we're not understanding each other. We need to figure out why we're not understanding each other so that when we're passing that key and we're allowing the driver to drive us, there is trust involved. Wow. So Arden and I work with many families in the United States, many of whom couldn't express that sort of passing over the keys or passing over the youth. How do you address that kind of thorny issue that your phase in life is moving out while somebody else's phase in life is moving in? Do you have resistance there? I think it's that the, the way you phrased it, that moving in and moving out, there's some things in life that are inevitable. We cannot avoid them. and death and taxes are at the top of that list. And when we're transitioning, I always call transitioning or I describe it also as somebody running a relay. We've just come from the Olympics and we've watched these relays. And so when you have a relay, you have a team. And this team is wanting to win. And at each cycle, of the track, somebody else takes over. Your current gen is the people who are running the relay. Your next gen will always be the person who are going to get the baton. However, there will always be judgment from both sides. The person who is looking forward to getting the baton stick is standing at the end of the course, waiting to get their chance. And they are very judgmental at times. They're looking and saying, oh, I could have jumped that faster. Oh, I could have moved a bit faster than that. Why, why are they taking so long? The person running the race is going through the experience. And when that transition happens from one runner to the other, you don't know whether the runner who's getting the baton stick actually wants it, whether they're going to actually get it and it's going to land in the center of their hand so that they can hold it tight and run with it. You don't know whether they're going to drop it intentionally or drop it by mistake. And so when you're looking at it, it shouldn't be looked at as in somebody's wanting to take over, but they're wanting to transition and run the race as part of the team, but they need to be prepared for it. And how do you prepare them when you are currently running the race itself? Mm -hmm. And how do they get prepared when they're standing there in judgment and thinking, um, why is my turn not coming? Why is this taking so long? So at each end, you've got someone who's got a viewpoint, who, who's having 
a, a process that they're going through. And what we then do as advisors is go through, come in as coaches and try to show both ends what's going on and try to, to align them and, and help them understand that it's still the same race and they're members of the same team. It's just that transition and that ability to look at the next person and say, oh, look at the next gen, they've got it easy. They're just standing there waiting for me to come and give them this baton stick. Or this one is saying, oh, they're running too slow. They could have just jumped that hoop a lot, a lot faster than that. And we're there to try and help them to translate that and make That's it great. a little more seamless as they do it. Yeah. What I like about the what you say is so much of the themes in your answers relate to empathy and getting a sense of perspective from someone else. And you mentioned, you know, the role of an advisor is to make it transparent, you know, which each party is thinking. And I think to my own family and I think of the clients we work with, and I think that is the crux of where the challenge comes in. We bring our own emotional baggage, our own perceptions about who our parents are and what their values are and what they have done to promote those or inflict those on us. And sometimes it really clouds the process by which we get to the end result. And sometimes we're making assumptions that are not fairly grounded in reality. So I, I love that theme of really considering the other person's perspective and, and the importance of an advisor to be an objective party doing that. I'm gonna switch the, uh, topics for a little bit and just ask you, you know, fundamentally, how have you maintained your businesses? You know, you mentioned the childcare business that you run, you know, how has the pandemic impacted the work that you do and how have you sustained your businesses during such uncertain and difficult times? It's taken a lot of juggling. I'll tell you that it's taken <laughs> a whole lot of juggling. Um, the pandemic in itself has taught us to be more mindful. I think to a certain extent, as business people, as, 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 the, as the world, we've, we've lived in bubbles and we've been okay in our own bubbles. The pandemic for me as a business owner has made me more conscious of the fact of being aware of what is the service or product that I truly bring to the market and what value is it? Mm -hmm. And how can I continue enhancing that value, not only for the clients and the customers I serve, but also for the staff that man the business and create the value. And in doing that, also understanding how we can add more value. And especially when you're working with children, because you realize that they are truly watching history happen. They're watching the stress on our faces, the anxiety that we are oozing out of our pores at times, and they're learning from that. And so being a parent during this time has been, has had its challenges as well because I'm also working on creating a next gen legacy where they get to visibly see how stressful running a business can actually be and making decisions for other people and other families and making decisions where I have little to no control at times because 
when a government mandates something, uh, whether it's a local, regional, global, you have to adhere to it because of safety reasons for other people. Having to make difficult decisions, sometimes having to let go of staff members because you have no capacity to carry them through. And then also investing in philanthropy and learning that it, it truly begins at home. How are you serving those people that are around you, who impact you, who've been impacted you by you, and then having them create a ripple effect because we all at some point had to be philanthropic. We had to give of ourselves, whether it was time, it was money, or it was just the essence of extending something that we could give during this difficult time. That's beautiful. I wonder, I'm hearing you and I am hearkening back to one of the definitions I've read about resilience and your last comment really embodied all of the elements in terms of pivoting our services, finding meaning in a difficult time and showing compassion for those who are working in that time with us. So that's an incredible definition of resilience. How do you impart as a parent with a family business, that kind of um, resilience teaching skills to your kids? How do you work with what you're talking about today in your own families? My kids are little mimics. <laughs> That's what I've learned the hard way. Everything you say and do, the first, um, interaction with community with people is with parents so as little children i'm a montessori parent so i know from birth these little ones are trying to suck in as much as possible they're trying to mimic you everything you say do the slightest movement drawing in of breath they are watching it as a marker and so as you navigate it's being conscious conscious parenting having conversations with them not as as children as we would see it in the in the normal tense where everyone is like oh they're just a child but having conversation with them as children at their level and explaining and breaking it down in a way they understand because they do understand more than we give them credit for they feel our anxiety, they feel our joy. And you want to explain to them why you're anxious in, in language that they understand. And you want to explain to them what's going on in language they understand. And having three different children, I, I've learned to manage and create a safe space for all three. I, speaking to them, I'm, I'm thinking when I had to speak to them about COVID. My son is OCD. He is like mommy. So he wants things in a particular way. He's a bit of a perfectionist. He wants things to look the same. The hangers must face the same way. Everything must be perfect. So explaining to him and saying, okay, this is what's going on globally. And this is why we shut down. And this is why we're not going to school. He was reaching for the sanitizer for everything, <laughs> everything, which is, which is good. 
But I also became conscious of the fact I didn't want to make him paranoid. I didn't want to make him anxious all the time. And so I had to sit him down and say, okay, it's okay to sanitize, wash your hands and do all the things that are necessary, but don't let it take over your life. Don't let it be every second thought that you do. You just have to be conscious because you're taking care of yourself and everyone around you. It took him a little while, but he eventually came into it and started relaxing a bit and becoming conscious, but without being tense about it. My youngest daughter, on the other hand, she's the typical third born. She is just blazing through everything. And so with her, even after explaining to her, she still asks, but why are we sanitizing? <laughs> <laughs> so we had to walk her through the process and explain to her that if we don't sanitize, germs will get on us. So we have to be very, very aware, very, very conscious. It took her some time, but she eventually got in it. And I found that we've applied these principles across a range of subjects. So whether it's, it's, it's spending money, if they get pocket money, we give them pocket money. We explain to them, this is what you can buy. This is how much it will cost. You can make a decision to either buy it or keep it or invest it. And what does investment look like? Or you can exercise philanthropy. What does philanthropy look like? What does it mean to choose something to support and to stand by? And it's so by so doing, we've imparted our values. We've spoken in a language they understand and we've allowed them to make their own choices. Beautiful. I love it. So a new family business comes to you, CC, or a family business that's starting over. So essentially new because they've had a big failure. What is your advice to them as they're starting out? No matter where you are, you can work through it. And the key is working through it. We tend to live a life where we think there is a, a destination. What we don't realize is life itself is, is the journey. So even if you're running a business, if you're starting from scratch or having to start over, everything you've learned in your life has been part of your journey and you can apply it into the business you're going into. You can apply it to serve the people you're going to serve. And we must always remember that as we create products or services, we are serving, we are providing something that people are going to part with their hard earned money for. So bring your best to the table, respect the fact that somebody is sacrificing money that they've been working for and trusting that your, your product or service is going to alleviate them of whatever problem that they have. And you're going to have more bad days than good days. I think that's generally what happens in life. But when the good days come, you're going to find them, they're gonna be exhilarating. They're going to make you happy. You're going to be in spaces where you're gonna say, wow, I never thought I would get here. But also appreciate the bad days because the bad days, they toughen us up. They remind us that we are still climbing mountains. We are still creating, we're still innovating. We're going out there and we are taking on challenges that some people are like, no, thank you, I'm not going there. And as we are taking on these challenges, we're going to face our fears. We're gonna feel like giving up 
And sometimes we're going to feel like, was this even worth it? But the truth is it was because you are going to wake up and you're still going to have 24 hours every single day. And if you choose to run a business, provide a service, provide a product in your 24 hours, you are effectively giving back to community. You're giving back to the world and you are providing something that was lacking until you stepped into that space. I would like to leave us on that note because it was so elegant and so beautiful. When is your Thank book you coming for... out? Yeah. <laughs> you speak so beautifully and eloquently. I mean, I, I, I can only imagine your work as an advisor to these families. They're just, um, it's not cliched, but you have such a nice way of tackling some of these very important and tough issues and, and your clarity of wording is just very much appreciated. I really enjoyed the today's thank podcast. Thank you. Thank you. And thank our audience today, we do, for joining us for another episode of Beyond the Balance Sheet podcast. If you have listened and enjoyed it, please rate us on your podcast platform of choice. Have a good afternoon or evening whenever you listen. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Balance Sheet, a podcast designed to help advisors, clinical professionals, and affluent families solve some of their biggest medical, psychiatric, and emotional challenges. Visit beyondthebalancesheet.com to read more about our guests and resources and sign up for our newsletter.